This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Do you have your volume for your headsets? Not too high. Why? Can you Me hear neither. it? Yeah, oh, it's okay. funny as as we do the show, it gets quieter and quieter. I don't know because we get more and more in tuned. Yeah, I was going to say I think we just get louder and louder. Oh. Um, we'll see what the listeners say to that <laughs> That's one. That's actually a really good point. <laughs> Check out the podcast, <laughs> folks. I think there they tone us down a little bit when it gets posted. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, you can uh, subscribe using uh, your favorite podcast platform and check out Kelly and Company. Check out many of the podcasts available to you through AMI-audio. Lots of them to choose from. And, folks, of course, keep in mind, we've launched the new video podcast as well, a stable of those available uh, as you do your searching. You'll find them. They're also available as uh, audio podcasts. But subscribe to the Kelly and Company podcast at your convenience. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. Let's get into the app update. We do this on Fridays with John Beeler, and he is continuing to stick around once a week with us as we uh, chat apps. And there's a lot to talk about today. So, John, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. So we're going to talk Apple, but all the way at the end, because right now we need to shed some light on Android. There's some new accessibility and sharing features coming to Android devices. Yeah, one of the, uh, I guess, the biggest things that they announced uh, recently was that uh, they have a a feature called Nearby Share, which is basically Google's version of AirDrop uh, from iOS. And it's getting a pretty big update that's going to make it really easy for Android users to share files and photos and videos between each other. The interesting aspect about this, it's a little different than AirDrop, is that you actually have the ability to send files this way to anyone in the world. They don't have to be nearby, which okay. is kind of confusing because it's called near, nearby share. But um, So that's a really handy feature, being able to send uh, stuff to people in your contact list, uh, even if they're not right in the same room or wow. in the same vicinity, um, which is pretty cool. Well, the world gets um, smaller, Apple, John. Actually. Australia is just over there. Um, The other thing that they've done, and I think this is really interesting for our listeners, is that they've they've had some features with the sound notifications. So basically when your device hears a fire alarm or something like that, you actually get a notification. And what they have a new net, a new thing now, it's called custom alerts that allows you to record a specific noise. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, your washing machine makes a certain chime when it's done uh, its business and needs to notify you. You can actually record that, and then your Android phone will actually give you a notification, even if there's no app or anything like that for that particular washing machine, which is kind of common nowadays. But that's a really interesting feature, so you can actually have a custom audio alert for almost anything that you encounter. Wow. Wow. I'm interested in, like you said, fire alarms or whatever, because I find, and I know there is what is classed as a fire alarm. There is standard as to what you're supposed to hear as opposed to, you know, just a bell ring in some places, uh, older places. Um, But I'm assuming all that kind of thing is pre-programmed into the Android to know, hey, man, you're in this building and there's a fire alarm going off. Yeah, I think there's a certain frequency or a certain, um, ah. uh, I guess, 
repetitive nature of the tone that yeah. would sort of be standardized with like fire alarms, smoke alarms, CO2 alarms, those types of things. Um, but you know, if there's any concern or you do a test and it doesn't trigger that, then you now have the ability to record your specific alarm and make that a, a unique notification for your Android devices as well. I think that, uh, this continues to bring Android to the forefront about customizability, right? Like the the way we used to think of Android and Apple, you know, Apple, everything was so rigid, like it comes as it is. And if you like it, then you'll love the Apple ecosystem because everything is that way. Whereas Android, you can kind of go in and out and change different things and ringtones to, to everything custom, right? But the, the freedom of that. Yeah. Um, so it's reminding me of that, though we don't think of Apple that way right now or any longer. Um, it still feels like this is a nice point for Android. Is that just the history of Android, John? Is that why they're more likely to think about allowing you to simply go in and record something where Apple, well, hold on, why would we allow you to be able to, adjust? we should be able to already preset <laughs> Well, it's interesting because I think Apple kind of lets you do that, but they don't let you record it. They use AI to interpret it and guess what it is. So, um, and then you can assign something to that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would agree that I think um, Google has always been, in, in my head, uh, it's more of a tinkerer's operating system. Mm-hmm. It allows you to get, open up the hood, get in there and really change it and make it your own um, until the next update at least. Right. So, um, which is always sort of, I guess it's the fun thing and it's also the pain that comes with a new update is that you might have to go in and revisit some of your customizations to see if they're still there and if they were kept from that update. I think it's always fun just to see what AI gets used, how, where we're, where we're saying this is an AI thing that is allowing this to happen. So really incredible. Uh, can we switch to talking a little bit about laws? Um, this is yeah. really interesting. The California governor has signed a law requiring social uh, media networks um, to actually be open, be public, and mo- put out there their moderation rules. What's this all about? Well, basically, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, has uh, put a law into place that forces social media networks, which are, I think, mostly based in California or San Francisco specifically, um, to publish how they're dealing with all of this bad stuff, hate speech, extremism, harassment, uh, and just general um, objectionable content that is published and perpetrated on those platforms. Uh, so this requires them to basically have a very transparent uh, policy that's published on their website, their terms of service, what's uh, what's banned, what's not, like all that kind of detail so people will truly know what's going on, but also how they're dealing with it. Because one of the challenges that anytime there's a new um, social media network, one of the first things that they get challenged on is how are you moderating things Yes, and whether it's fully automated with AI, which we know hasn't been the greatest. It tends to be overly uh, locked locked down and restrictive for people even just talking or posting photos about their cats. Uh, It misinterprets those things as hate speech, for example, Um, versus then you have people doing the moderation, which when you're dealing with something like, say, Facebook that has a billion posts a day, Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of impossible to have a billion people checking 
uh, every post that goes up. So there has to be a balance in there somehow. And uh, just getting more transparency on these things. Um, but it's also interesting, too, that they're forcing these companies to have a, a, an annual audit as well as to how well they did in that space. Uh, and, you know, this is a result of all the things that we've seen that are really negative in the last few years, you know, with the political stuff and the abortion stuff and you name it stuff. Um, there's always some hot topic that really um, gets people going on social media that maybe shouldn't be there. And so how can we prevent it? Well, this is one step that California is taking to do it. Um, the interesting sort of flip side of this is that some um, legal experts think that this might encroach on First Amendment rights in some way because it's basically forcing um, these these rules to be um, enforced uh, maybe a little more stricter than they were previous to this law being put in place. So there's there's a lot of uh, back and forth going on with the legal experts and the lawyers in, in this space right now. But it's a really interesting thing because some of the other States in the U.S. Have, have made it very easy for, say, uh, misinformation campaigns for political candidates to proliferate um, without any um, backlash for those particular candidates. Um, you know, the example being Trump being deplatformed for from everything because of the misinformation. Right. And uh, some other states have basically put into place that no, you can't do that. You have to let us have a voice on these platforms. Well, you get to where, when you look at a state like California, you've got a lot of high-paying celebrity um, taxpayers who have really been called out, insulted, threatened, and different things like that on social media. And, you know, he, the governor knows where his votes are coming from, where his what, what his constituency out there is. Um, and, and I understand because, like you say, the home of a lot of these social media places uh, is out there, but I also think when we talk about challenging people's rights based on um, the, their First Amendments and, and things like that, there's so many places you can't get away with slandering people, saying this, threatening people. It, you wouldn't be able to get away with it on a on a street or in the middle of the cafe, stand up and start screaming at you and saying, you know, I'd be like, I hear you Fridays on that silly show or whatever and calling you name. But so you shouldn't be able to do that on social media in theory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a messy, uh, process. Um, cause the other thing too, is uh, like the whole moderation aspect of things. Um, you don't want to make it so restrictive that no one can post anything, right? but also there's been so many examples of people that have been the live moderators of some of these platforms mm -hmm. and how they basically get PTSD because they see some awful, awful stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be horrible. In AI, you can only count on so much. And you can't just put up a sign saying, you can't do this, 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 and this. And good luck. Have fun. Yeah, exactly. Let's get to one more uh, conversation that's kind of multi-pronged because iOS 16 is now available. Uh, and there's always time to keep posted on new Apple news with the new lock screen, editable iMessages, and more. We've been chatting about these. Yeah, probably the one of the biggest things that people are going to really, uh, or at least anecdotally, people that have said to me they're most interested in is the ability to edit your messages that you send using Apple's iMessage platform. Uh, you actually have up to 15 minutes to edit a message after you send it. 
as long as the other person has iOS 16. If they don't, they're not going to see uh, a revised message. They'll see your original message and then your edited message. So you have to make sure that whoever you're editing your message from has iOS 16, if that's important. You also have the ability in under two minutes to unsend that message. So if you sent it to the wrong person, for example, now keep in mind these people can still they're still alerted to the fact a message came. Uh, whether you're, they're, you know, and I've done some tests with this. Uh, I had my phone just sitting on the table in front of me, and it was locked and, and off. And a message was sent, and it was unsent. I still got the pop up. I could still read it, you know, glanced at it on the home screen. Um, but then when I went to click through to it, it was gone because it had mm-hmm. been unsent. But there is a little sort of paper trail saying, well, the person unsent a message to you. So you don't get to see the message. You can't screenshot it because it's gone. But you, you are aware that someone attempted to send you a message and you know perhaps incorrectly. Um, the other interesting thing is when you do edit the message, it will say that John has edited this message. So um, there is a pretty good set of transparency rules in place so that people can abuse this by saying one thing then getting a response and then editing the message saying, oh, well, here's something else completely different. I just changed it and you've responded to that and it looks weird now or could be compromising depending on who you're sending messages to. So that's an interesting aspect of it. The other thing I I, I also noticed in my testing is that uh, some people, uh, my girlfriend has a Series 3 Apple Watch, which is not upgradable Mm -hmm. to the latest version of watchOS. It doesn't get these... um, uh, transparent, editable notifications. She just gets the original message and then she gets the edited message. So, uh, you know, you have to really be careful and you you can't rely on this as being uh, sort of a a magic bullet for editing something that you sent incorrectly or sending it to someone that you didn't intend to. Uh, People on older operating systems or older versions... still get the original message. Yeah, and that's not going to go away. So, That's so um, funny. I guess the, the old adage of be careful what you type and send still applies. Still counts. It still counts. We still got to follow that mentality. <laughs> Edit it before you send it. Thank you so much, John. You're welcome. <laughs> That's really funny, though. What a hack. John Beeler joining us on Fridays with our app update. <laughs> Always so much. That's for sure. Up next, folks, the Indigenous Disability and Wellness Gathering hosted by the BC Aboriginal Network on Disability Society takes place in November. Sylvie Fiquette, she arrives in a couple of minutes with more details. Stand by. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.